So today we're going to be talking about how to deal with stress, how to deal with stress. Um, once again, to conclude our series, The Elephant in the Room, how to deal with stress. Can I just say real quick, thank you. I don't have Facebook, but I was able to see all the, the love and encouragement as I celebrated my birthday yesterday. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Uh, that means so much to me. So let's get, let's jump right in it. How to deal with stress. Are you stressed out this? Amen. E- even Dove has caught on. Have y'all noticed that they have an anti-stress? It, it's at H-E-B. I don't know if it works, but I'll let you be the judge of that. It's chamomile and oat milk or something like that. But it's anti-stress. It, it, we live in stressful times. So did some research on what are some stress contributors. Um, and there's, there's five. The first is major life changes. So such as the separation, loss of a loved one, um, is one of the top contributors to stress. So that, that certainly is, is stressful. Second is job issues. Whether you have a job and are stressed with your boss, whether you need a job and are stressed about finding one, uh, job issues is is a serious deal. Um, Health concerns is also another another stress contributor. Just worried about what that next doctor's appointment could look like. As you get older, you, you start putting off the physicals because you, you don't want to know what that could entail. Um, relationship conflicts can put a huge amount of stress on an individual, on a family, on a person, um, whether it be in the marital setting, whether it be with a sibling, whether it be with a child, whether it be with the, or whether it be with a parent. Um, those, those are just some some real deals. And, and the last is money trouble. Financial issues is a very stressful uh, situation. So major life changes, job issues, health concerns, relationship conflicts, or money troubles. And I think all of us in this place would fall under one of those. And, and there's another one uh, that, I sure, uh, that I'm sure a lot of you can relate to um, that's not in the top five, but, but it's a pretty stressful deal, and that's Texas Tech football. Wearing me out. <laughs> Desiree's saying, why are you yelling? I was like, I holler at church, I'll holler at the TV as well. <laughs> Texas Tech football. Man. <laughs> I'll address that on another now. <laughs> I, do, I do. I'm rooting for Texas now. Just putting that out there, Texas team. But on a, on a very serious note, another one is how about unresolved sin? How about unresolved sin? One foot in and one foot out, or, or the, the saying of straddling the fence. And you think of that in the physical sense, and that would be very uncomfortable. Now imagine the, the wear and tear that it puts on your spirit. On the inside, unresolved sin that is just there that we have not 
brought to the feet of Jesus. And the bad news that I, that I have for you today is that we can't make any of this stop. We can't make any of this stop. It is life. The Bible tells us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust in like manner. God never obligated himself for this not to happen. But in the middle of it, can I encourage you and tell you that God can cause you to rise above it. That in the middle of whatever is going on on the outside, something different can be taking place on the inside. You may not be able to control what comes your way, but to know that God can give you peace in the middle of it is what we need to be reminded of. What the Bible tells us that it is the, strength, the, the joy of the Lord that, that is our strength, to have joy deep down on the inside, an internal, non-circumstantial state of being that regardless of what comes my way, I have the joy of the Lord in my life. And it is what keeps me going. So I want to show you some verses where the Bible addresses this. First is in John 16, 33. Remember, Jesus, this is the, the, the scene is the day before Jesus is going to be turned in. This is before Good Friday. In John 16, 33, Jesus gathers his disciples and he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me you have peace. You may have peace. He's about to tell them there's going to be a separation here. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be turned in. But you know what? In the middle of all of this, I'm telling you that you can have peace regardless of what is going on on the outside. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. In other words, be encouraged. Lift up your head, lift up your eyes, I have overcome the world. Jesus is telling his disciples, it's about to get really bad on the outside. And those things, you can't stop. You can't, you can't put, you just can't put them aside. It's going to happen, but you can rise above it. He is telling them, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You can rise above it. Another scripture that I love that is very relevant and applicable to this is in the book of Psalms, chapter 34, verse 19. It says, many are the afflictions, the Bible tells us, of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him of them all. Many, not just some. Many. The word affliction in the Hebrew came from the Assyrian word, uh, an Assyrian form of torture, where they would take someone and they would just tie them to a pole. And they would take a rock and, and just pretty much surround the person. And it was just one thing after one, one stone after another, one stone after another, until they ultimately looked like a teepee. And it was just a slow process of one going up on top of the other and one going up on top of the other. Doesn't that sound familiar? They just kept piling them on until finally the weight of it all crushed 
the individual. I'll ask again, doesn't that sound familiar? The job, the sickness, the money, the kids acting crazy, the loss. You just feel the pressure. And it's like one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. Before you can recover from from that thing, here comes another thing. And you feel crushed. Many are the afflictions, the Bible tells us. But it doesn't end like that. It says, but he delivers them from them all. I have a promise from God that regardless of what comes my way, what comes to discourage me, tries to bring me down, tries to weigh me down, I have a promise from God that my story will not end like that. I have a promise from God that he will deliver me out of this. Whether it looks like how I want it to be or whether it looks like a a different way, God's word is true. It's forever settled in heaven and it is true to us today that he will deliver you. So I want to encourage you today. You may be going through some stuff, but God's got you. He sees you. He knows what you're facing. He knows the tears and he knows the struggle. He knows the hurt that's going on on the inside. He sees it all. I want to show you this today because this is not an empty promise from God. But rather it's one that he delivers on when we follow the recipe for dealing with stress. And we can understand as believers that we can take him at his word and that he is true to it. So I want to talk to you about that and take one chapter from the book of Philippians and outline that as we deal with with the stress in our lives. This particular letter is is one written by the Apostle Paul, who we we know wrote one-third of the the New Testament. Uh, And he, he writes this while he is in prison, awaiting execution. And he knows this. And he knows that he's about to die. And in this beautiful book, joy is the prevailing theme. It's mentioned over and over and over, time and time again. He starts chapter 4 like this, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Can you picture this with me? He is waiting to die. But yet he's writing to the church in Philippi. Likely he's in Rome. We can't, I'm, I'm not sure on that. But he is writing to the church in Philippi. And he is telling them, rejoice. I'm about, to, I'm about to die. But I want you to know, rejoice in the Lord always. And the question that I come is how, how can you do this when you're in prison awaiting execution? Well, he actually gives us insight so we can understand this a little bit better in the following verses. And there's five things that he does that I want to share with you today. Five things that, that he does that if we apply to every single area of our lives, we can see God at work in our lives and they will work. So you can take these five principles and put them into practice and that 
as you do that, you're going to get the, the, the promise that is found in this chapter that the peace of God that transcends understanding. In other words, we can't figure out why it works this way. It's illogical. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Are you ready this morning? Amen. The first thing is this, worry about nothing. Worry about nothing. He starts it off this way in Philippians 4, 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Quite opposite to the life that we live most of the time, wouldn't you say? Anxious in the Greek is synonymous with worry. The anxious heart that, that is thinking, I wonder if this is going to happen. I wonder if this is going to happen. We're borrowing from the future something that may not ever occur. And it's robbing us of the peace. And it's robbing us of our joy. Totally concerned with something that either has happened that you can't undo. That's the first thing. Or something that might happen but aren't too sure if it will. I'll say that one more time. You're totally concerned with something that has already happened and you can't undo it. Or could it be that you're concerned about something that could happen? And it's robbing you of just the peace of mind that God wants to, us to experience. The original word worry is it has connections to, to choke or to strangle. To choke or to strangle. Man, can I tell you that seems awfully accurate. Just feel like one thing after the other. I had I had planned to to share this with you before last week, but this week then just brought some some stress levels that I had never never experienced before. It it, it is just life, and it happens to us all. The Greek word for for anxious is a divided mind, thinking about this but thinking about that. So what do we do about it? So I want to share with you a takeaway or an action step because Jesus can help us here. How can, how can I worry about nothing? Do you, do you not know what I'm going through? I know that's what you're thinking. Do you not know what I'm facing? Do you not know him or her? Do you not know? Jesus can help us here. Matthew 6, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Jesus was saying the problem with worrying is you're living outside of the moment. You're not embracing the moment here. Therefore, the Bible says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. That's true. But can I tell you, we don't always live that way. 
Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I put it this way? Today, right now, is the tomorrow you were worried about yesterday. Today is the tomorrow you were worried about yesterday, and God got you through it. The same God that brought you to Sunday can take you to Monday. So what do I do? I have to live one day at a time. I have to live one day at a time, enjoy the moment right here, right now. That's why the, the, in the Lord's Prayer it says, give us this day our daily bread. I need what I need right here in this moment. Give us today our daily bread. God, today. Can I just challenge you to try that? Try that and see it work in your life. You can fix your worry by being right here, right now in the moment. Everything else will We'll worry about when we get here, but I'm going to be engaged. I'm going to be participating. I'm going to be present, not just physically, but mentally also. Worry about nothing. Second thing is this. I have to pray about everything. Because if I'm, if I'm not worried about nothing, that means I have to do something about it. So instead of worrying, I'm going to pray about it. Pray about everything. The Bible never, never tells us to stop doing something without starting something else. And this is a discipline that you and I need to develop as believers that in the middle of the situation, can we just say, let's just pray about this. When it comes to your mind, pray about it. When, when you're worried about the financial state of your home, when you're worried about money, and, and you're thinking about it, and, and you're letting that consume your strength and your energy, and you're letting that consume everything, the peace that you have inside. Instead of worrying about it, can I just say, God, I call on the God that owns a cattle of a thousand hills. I call on the God that said he will, he will provide. I call on Jehovah Jireh, who is my provider. I call on the God that said he would fulfill and give me everything that I need according to his riches and glory. That, that instead of worrying, I, I'm canceling the worry. And I, instead I'm praying and I'm saying, God, I know that you are a provider. I know, God, that you see me right here. And, and there is just something that changes on the inside. Because instead of worrying it on, about it on your own, now you have brought God into the equation. And God knows no impossibilities. So instead of worrying about your marriage, can you just pray about your marriage? Instead of worrying about your, your state of your spiritual state, can, can we go to God with that? Can you imagine what would change if we made prayer our first response and not our last resort? Can you imagine what would change when, when we get back to that place where we pray about everything, when we leave the house, when we hit the stop sign, before the phone call, before the email, before the text message is sent, in everything, the Bible says, Philippians 4 and 6, by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Can I tell you that sometimes we are so worried because that's what we're doing. We're worrying and we're not praying. But God gives us the answer in his word that if I can just bring it to him, 
and trust him with it and believe him for it and not just say I believe in God but I believe God and I know him to be faithful and I know him to be true and that he has not left me till this point there's some of us in this house that we've been through some stuff and you even ask yourself the question how am I alive here today how did I make it without losing my mind well let me tell you it's because God stepped in like he did when he did in the way that only he could and he kept you and cannot tell you So in everything by prayer and petition, and when we do what's in verse 6, verse 7 can then happen. Watch this. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Enjoy the day. Worry about Monday when it gets here. And pray about whatever it is is weighing on your heart. That's why we intentionally have time built in at the end of service to have a moment of prayer because we don't want you to leave this place with what you carried in. Whatever you walked in with, you can leave it here. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us this, that I can cast all my anxiety on him because he cares. Have you ever caught yourself telling somebody, you, you don't even care? Have you ever thought that in your mind? You don't even care. The Bible tells us that he cares. He cares. So I should pray about everything because he cares. Nothing's too big for his power. And nothing is too small for his concern. He cares. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, he cares. I love what the songwriter said. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And watch what the next part says. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. What are we carrying around that we don't need to, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I got to pray about everything. And the third thing is this. I have to think about the right things. Think about the right things. Now, I'd like to submit to you that the first two, I believe, could truly alleviate and relieve your stress. And this third one would help you maintain it. Worry about nothing because I'm praying about everything. And I have to think about the right things. It's what we allow in our minds. It's what we allow in our minds. Many of the times I worry because it's what I'm letting into my mind. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble... Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
Is that your, is that your mind's filter this morning? Has that been your mind's filter? When you're going through something, are you thinking about what is true, what is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely? Can this be our new filter from this day forward? That, that we would stand and say, I'm not going to allow the pollution of this world to enter my mind. Because isn't it crazy how we can leave here, feel re-energized, have a new perspective, and then all of a sudden you go scrolling through social media and things change like that? It changes your mindset. What are we allowing in our minds? What are we allowing in our minds? The music you listen to. The people you allow to speak into your life. I'm not going to let my mind go there. We have to stop and reflect and we have to tell ourselves, I'm not going to let my mind go there. I'm not going to let that junk come into my mind. It's not true. It's not pure. It's not noble. It's not lovely. It's not admirable. It's not praiseworthy. It's not excellent. If it's not, if it doesn't fall under that category, then I have to put it in the junk. I have to drag that and put it in the trash and say, you won't have, because the truth is we can all go there on any given day about any given circumstance. You talk to the the right person, or should I say the wrong person, they can get you fired up about something. But is it what God's word says it is? And I'm telling you, a lot of the worry and a lot of the stress that we are facing, that America is facing today, is because we have so many people that just want to speak negative and ill about everybody. I want to tell you at Impact City, we're all about Jesus and we are for all people. God loves all people. We love all people. It doesn't, mean that, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't have some issues that we need to work through and fix. Uh, no, but you know what? It is the process of sanctification, uh, and we are going to support everybody's journey. And I'm not going to put arbitrary timelines on, on people's transformations. Sorry, I forget off. I'm going to get off. Get fired up about that. Proverbs 23 and 7 says this. So is it pure? Is it noble? What am I thinking about? The Bible tells us this, that whatever how a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. What are you thinking? What are you thinking when you go through something? Do you find yourself succumbing? Do you find yourself being susceptible to the lies of the enemy that tell you that you, are, you will always be a failure and that you'll never get over it? Or do you find yourself telling yourself, I'm more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus who saved me? Do you find yourself saying, I'm blessed I'm going through this, but I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Am I a victor or am I a victim? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What am I allowing to be 
fed into my spirit and into my mind. I have to be able to put it through the Philippians 4.8 filter. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Can I put it this way? Whatever you're thinking, you're becoming. Turn the Philippians 4 filter on. Every word, every thought, every website, every conversation, put it through the Philippians 4 filter. Because my life is shaped by my thoughts. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Are you getting anything this morning? Two more things. Be contented with my, with my things. In a world that always wants more, I need to be contented. Especially in America when you can be happy with what you have and then somebody comes and just says, yeah, but you don't have that over there. It is so easy to always say, I want something else. I want something more. But can you get contented with what you have? Not what you don't have, what you do have. Philippians 4.11 says this, I am not saying this because I am in need For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Remember, he's in prison. In the winter of his life, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You can throw whatever you want towards me. I have learned to be contented in who I am in God. Some of us, the stress in our lives comes from unrealized expectations. Maybe... It's what we illusioned or what we expected for ourselves. Can I tell you that anger comes from unfulfilled expectations? But can we just be content with the circumstances? I constantly, my wife, should I say, constantly tells our kids, just go with the flow. Just ride the wave. Just, just, let's, let's just believe that if God can take care of the birds of the air. When have you ever seen, the Bible says, when have you ever seen a bird worried about what they're going to eat next? How much more will your heavenly father take care of you? I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. You're worried about something that you don't have. You're worried about how the next payment's going to come. You're worried about how you're going to pay the next bill. But can I tell you, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants ask for bread. I was young and I was old and now I've seen all this. His faithfulness endures through every generation. Philippians 4.12 says this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. This is Philippians 4.12. I'm pretty sure you know the next verse. I learn to be contented in every circumstance. It doesn't matter what comes my way, I'm happy on the inside. I have joy deep down on the inside. I'm still alive. God still has a purpose for my life. 
He's not finished with me yet. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So, what's the big takeaway for this? Can, can we just tell ourselves, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. He will take care of everything we need. Christ is enough for me. And then i got to trust God for all things. That's the last thing. Number five, trust God for all things. Today, not too many people trust a lot of things. We, we live in a time where everyone wants to question everything. And trust is a rare commodity. But at some point, if we want the stress reduced in our life, we have to trust God with our whole heart. Paul was not afraid of death. He was not afraid of death because he trusted God for the outcome. He said in the same book, yeah, you want to kill me? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Either way, he was good. I quoted Philippians 4.12. Now here he says, 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Remember the context of this. He goes, I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to have an abundance. I know what it is to lack. In everything, his perspective was, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. His trust was not in his skills, in his ability. He had the education that, that is equivalent to two, to two doctorates. By the time he was 21, it was not in that. But I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And then he says this, Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs. Can you tell yourself that? All. All your needs according to his riches to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And Paul is saying this in essence. I had the confidence in the relationship. I had the confidence in the relationship. What builds trust is to have enough experience with something. What builds trust is to have enough experience with something. You came in here this morning, and I didn't see anybody do this. Nobody came and inspected the bench. Nobody looked and, and, and shook it and then, and then sat down. Because you, you've sat in enough chairs that you know the chair is going to hold you up. You've sat in enough chairs that you know the chair is going to do what it's supposed to do, what it was designed to do. Can I tell you that 
when you've been through some stuff and you've gone through trial and you've gone through some storms and he held you up he held you up then And then then some time went by and then you went through something else. And you said, surely this, this is it. And he held you up in the palm of his hand. And you were telling yourself, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. I don't know if I'll get through this time. It just seems too much. And he held you up. And here you are today. And here you are today. Can I tell you that the more you experience him, the more you trust him. The more you go through some stuff and and, and you feel like you're going under, but you know that, that he holds you up. He takes you, takes you out of the miry clay and he puts your feet on, on a rock and he puts a song on the inside and you can be going through hell and you can be going through all sorts of circumstances, but you know that he's holding you and you, and you know without a shadow of a doubt that he is the one that's working it all, to, works it all together for good for them who love him. So whatever comes my way, I know, I know what it's like to be in a good time and I know what it's like to be in a doubt, but I can do all things through Christ. I can do it all through him. I can survive this season just like I survived the last season. And it doesn't matter what the next season brings. My God is faithful. He is the same yesterday. He is the same today. And he is the same forever. He is the same. And because he is the same, I can rest in the outcome. Would you please stand? The more you know him, the more you trust him. The book of Psalms tells us this, those who know your name trust you. Those who know your name trust you. And then it says this, you have never forsaken those who seek you. You have never forsaken those who seek you. Trust is born out of a real relationship with Jesus. And the closer you get to him, the more you trust him. The closer you get to God, the more you trust him. And can I tell you, can can we all go together on this journey to get closer to him? Can we just say, you know what, let's do it all together. Let's go and get closer to him. to help you right where you're at. He wants to help you right where you're at. Father, I thank you today. I thank you today that you're faithful in every season, at every turn, in every chapter. You're faithful. In every moment, you're faithful. In every mountain, you're faithful. In every valley, you're faithful. 
In my tears, you're faithful. In my loss, you're faithful. God, right now, I thank you that you see every need, that you see every concern, that you see every sleepless night, that you see every worry, that you see every negative thought that has come to destroy us. God, right now, we bind it in Jesus' name. We bind them in Jesus' name, and we release, God, the truth of your word over every heart, over every life. God, I declare your word that the peace that passes all understanding guard every heart and every mind. Everybody in this place going through different trials, going through different seasons of life. God, you see every single one. God, and I thank you that you're faithful. You're faithful in the big. You're faithful in the small. You're faithful in everything in between. God, and I just pray right now that you would show yourself strong. That your strength would be made perfect in our weakness, God. Right now in our vulnerability, in our moment of susceptibility, God, that you would show up, that you would walk into the room, and that you would do what only you can do. Right now, God, I pray for the peace, God, that only comes from you to flood every heart, to flood every mind. Right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.